0: And you know, t- t- tonight's gonna be a bit different. It's, uh, it's not so much gonna be a sermon as it is, tonight's gonna be just a bit of a family talk, kind of a family conversation. In fact, um, I wasn't even supposed to be here uh, tonight. I was um, preaching most of this week in, in another city, and one of my good friends was supposed to be here tonight um, preaching, and then all the stuff that kind of unfolded, I thought, man, um, I wanna be here. I wanna be here with, with our people and um, to get to un- unpack this uh, together, and so tonight, Um, kind of in the midst of all of the complexity and the stuff that we've been feeling. Um, Really simply, I just want us to talk about as a family of faith, what does it look like to be faithful to Jesus, um, not just for his glory, but for the good of the people in the city that God's invited us to serve um, in this season. So what does it look like not to to just be a group of people that gather here on a Sunday, but people that live faithfully into the mess, uh, into the pain, into the hurting that's happening? Um, all around us right now, and I don't know what you what how you see yourself. I don't know what your vision for your life is. Um, but I believe that you're put on earth for moments like this. Um, that what God has put in you, he wants to steward through you for the sake of those that are around you. and uh, tonight, I just want us to kind of process um, what some of that um, looks like. you know that Tuesday morning it was it was weird. I, w- I wasn't in Nashville uh, about a year ago, I was uh, agreed to go speak um, to a group of leaders and church planters uh, down in Florida. And so uh, I, I got in on Sunday night, and I was there for several days um, teaching and preaching. And on Tuesday morning, you know, they're on Eastern time, and I was I was getting up early that morning to kind of get ready for the day. And so I woke up, it was 4.30 uh, in the morning on the East Coast, which meant it was 3.30 here. And And I woke up that morning, and uh, I saw just my phone blinking at me, and it was just tons of text messages. Some of them were from individuals, some of them um, were group text, and uh, the conversation felt like the second part of a conversation, I should have known the first part in order for it to make sense, and here's what I mean by that. I started getting these messages, you know, hey, are you okay? Are you guys fine? Is your family okay? What's going on? And I don't know if you've ever woken up uh, early in the morning to the second half of a conversation that feels like that, but man, it was a really kind of weird feeling. And those of you that know me, you know I have a flip phone. So I'm there like in, in the dark, like in another city. I can't even like look it up. I'm like, what's going on? And so I'm trying to text my friends and, and uh, Aaron, who's one of our pastors and leaders, he was, he was there with me. Um, and luckily he's got technology from the 21st century. And so he gets out his phone and all of a sudden, he, I just hear him like in the dark. He goes, oh my goodness. He said, did you, he said, did you see what's happened in Nashville? In, Aaron lives in East Nashville and and we're sitting there and we're just seeing these photos and we're hearing these stories and it's just this moment of of just just heartbreak. I don't know what you felt on Tuesday morning. I'm not sure where you were. I'm not sure where you were were in the moment. Um, I talked to people uh, today that um, literally uh, had their house destroyed, felt things shaking and there were people who slept right through it on the other side of town. So all across the board but... Um, You know, there in the midst of that, uh, on Tuesday morning, we're just feeling kind of the weight and the heaviness and the heartache, and then literally, within just a few moments, we start getting text messages from people all across uh, our church they are going, hey, we're we're out and we're looking for people, or hey, we're meeting up here, or "We're, we're mobilizing, and all of a sudden, I saw both the beauty and the brokenness colliding in this really kind of catalytic moment. And it's that tension that I've kind of felt myself living in all week. I don't know if you've felt that, this, this tension of, man, there's all of this pain and all of this confusion, and yet to see the church come together and the city come together and the way that, that humanity like is just kind of like, rising up and just serving one another, it's, it's this really beautiful thing. It's this crazy juxtaposition that we've been living in as a city you know I as i was thinking about our church over the course of just the first few hours we're getting text messages about people opening up their homes to house people that lost everything bringing complete strangers in there's this one family in our church that lost basically everything except their roof and some of the support structures that were keeping the roof in place and they brought 12 of their neighbors in to stay with them that first night until the rescue teams could get there i thought man it's amazing Heard stories of other people in our church that were making meals and were taking them to people in need folks that were showing up and were cutting away limbs and hauling off brush. Uh, there were families that were showing up and they were picking glass out of uh, the, 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 the kids' toys and homes where they were showing up. There's there this one guy, I talked to him earlier this week and it was just amazing. He said, Dave, I'm like the opposite of whatever handy is. He's like, I'm the least handy human being on earth. He said, so I just started going to the places that were most hit and I would just sit with people in their pain and just cry with them and pray with them and just be the presence of God. And uh, as I was hearing these stories unfold, I was just thinking about what's happening. I kept thinking of the words from Colossians chapter one, verse four. It'll be up on the screen. Paul says, when I heard of your faith and when I saw your love for all of God's people, he said I was just stirred up with gratitude. (laughs) When I heard of your faith and when I saw your love for all of God's people, I was stirred up with gratitude. Guys, we've been a church for almost 10 years or over 10 years now, almost 11 years, whatever it's been. And I go, man, over, over the last few days, I've just been so proud of who you are in Christ. And I just I say that with so much love and affection. Tragedy very rarely makes or breaks a community. It simply reveals the community that was always there. And these things happen and, and people begin to raise up. and I mean, it's just been amazing to see um, what God has been doing in your midst. And so on Tuesday morning, I woke up and, And uh, I got dressed and I had to go preach at this thing and I was trying to figure out if I needed to come back immediately or not. And and so I show up at this this conference that I'm speaking at and everybody's hearing about what's going on in Nashville and they know that I'm from Nashville so everybody's asking me about Nashville. And this woman comes up, just a faithful follower of Jesus. I never met her before. And she comes up and she asked me this really challenging question and maybe this is a question that you've gotten this week. Um, She said, Dave, you're from Nashville, right? I said, yeah, I'm from Nashville. She She said, why'd the storms come through and destroy everything? That's a, that's a big question. I'm like, if you knew what I made on my SATs, you wouldn't ask me that question. I'm not that smart. Like, I'm not smart enough to, to know that question. But man, that's a pretty normal question to ask in seasons like this. Like in moments of, of great tragedy, like that question of why, maybe that's a question you've been asking this week. And I, I just wanna say this as plainly as I know how. In moments of hardship, it is so normal to ask God Why? Like it's normal, it's okay, um, it's expected to just go, man, God, why why is this happening? And maybe that's the question that you've been asking this week or maybe that's the question that your friend group has been asking. I kept thinking about uh, the story of Job all week long. I don't know if you've read the story of Job in the Old Testament, but Job was this unbelievably faithful man of God and all of a sudden he experiences all of this suffering. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in Job chapter one, His his children are killed when a violent storm wrecks their house unexpectedly. And it's the exact same situation that some of the people in our own city have been going through this week. And Job handles it with this unbelievable amount of faith. But you get to Job chapter 7, verse 20, it'll be up on the screen. And Job asks the question that so many of us tend to ask. He says, Lord, if I've sinned, like if I've done something to deserve this, what have I done to you? You who see everything that I do. I don't know if you've ever prayed like that before or talked to God like that, but this is kind of where Job was. He's saying, God, I've been worshiping you. I've been faithful to you. What's going on? And this is what caught me about this verse. He He says, why have you made me your target? Why have you made me your target? I don't know if you've ever felt that way in the presence of God before, but man, there's a lot of people in our city that feel that way right now. You're related to some of them, you work with some of them, you're friends with some of them. you are some of them. and that question of why is like, man, what do we do with it and I, and I think it's a good question, but here's what I want to caution us with as you go throughout the whole book of job and and, and God responds to job uh, he responds, but he doesn't respond the way that job expected him to in fact in the in the in the wrestling with that question, like why did this happen? Job's friends show up and they try to comfort Job, and maybe you remember this. But in an effort to bring comfort, they provide a lot of stupid, unhelpful answers. And I'm convinced that sometimes Jesus' church does the most damage when we try to provide quick answers to complicated realities instead of just sitting and grieving and crying and praying and wrestling, they came with answers that weren't really helpful. And God shows up to Job and he says, hey, he says, I'm gonna respond to you, but here's the deal. I'm not gonna answer the question you asked me. God says, your brain is not big enough to understand the question you've asked. Even if I could tell you, you wouldn't understand it. God says, I'm not gonna tell you why it happened. He says, but I am gonna tell you how you need to walk with me in the midst of it. And so tonight, that's really what I want us to wrestle with. Not like, why did this happen? Because the reality is, unless God just supernaturally reveals it, we don't know. But I do want us to wrestle with, what does it look like practically to be men and women marked by the faith of God, filled with the hope of God in the midst of a really challenging situation in our city? And uh, so that's kind of what I want us to unpack for the next few minutes, kind of in this family conversation. There's all these things that we could talk about, but like I said, I wasn't wasn't planning to preach this week. And so yesterday, I'm like, Lord, (laughs) show me, like, show me. Show me what we need to talk about, give me some direction. And I felt like the Lord was just kind of illuminating four realities. And the first is this, that if we wanna be a people filled with hope, marked with the glory of God, helpful to our city, then we need to become a people who choose to live honestly before God in the midst of the season that we're in. We we choose to live honestly before God. And here's what I mean by this. As a group of people, we become really comfortable coming into the presence of God with everything that we're actually feeling, no matter how uncomfortable those feelings are. You know, if you grew up in church, if if you have this deep religious history or religious tendencies, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the longer you've been in church, and I want you to hear me very clearly, the longer you've been in church, the less likely you are to be honest with God as you come to him in prayer. I don't mean that in an indicting way. We've just been in the culture so long that, We've kind of subversively been taught, here's what you say to God and here's what you don't. Here's how you speak and here's how you don't. So sometimes we come into the presence of God and we we don't even mean to, but we come into his presence and we bring certain emotions, certain questions, certain things to him. And then we have this whole other set of things that we either stuff down for ourselves or we transfer it to our friends and we don't know what to do within the presence of God. Some of, us, some of you were taught your whole life, whether it was overt or not, you were taught that certain emotions are righteous and certain emotions are unrighteous. And so deep down, like things like joy and happiness and, and uh, uh, comfort and security, those things feel like godly feelings, but fear and doubt and anger and anxiety and worry feel like ungodly things. And here's what I wanna tell you is you have the permission to be fully human in the presence of God. He loves you, he knows you, and he is big enough to handle you as you actually are. I think about my my boys so often when they'll come to me and there's times when one of my boys will say to me what they think that I wanna hear. In fact, that happened this weekend. I told one of my sons, I said, "Are are you saying that to me because you think that's what I wanna hear? He said, well, yeah. I said, don't tell me what I wanna hear. Tell me what you're actually feeling. Why? Because I'm his dad and I love him exactly as he is. See, it's the difference between religion and relationship. Relationship, we have the, the ability to come into the presence of our Father exactly as we are say, hey, here's what's on the table. I love 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It says, cast your cares on God. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Guys, God cares for you. He cares for your neighbors. He, he cares for your friends. Last night, I had a conversation with, with a guy that's very close to me and one of his very best friends Lost their four year old daughter in the tornadoes this week. Just tragic. And he and I were just weeping on the phone together. And we're going, you know what? As hard as this is, we know in the depth of our heart that God cares more about that family than we do. Sometimes it's tough to understand, but He cares. And we bring all that pain, all that worry, all that sorrow, all that fear, all the joy, all the hope, we bring all of it into the presence of God. It's what we do. We learn to live honestly in God's presence. I love the Psalms. I don't know, so, you know some of you this week, you're like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what to feel. I don't know how to be honest. And so sometimes when I'm in those moments, I go, okay, I'm just going to pray the scriptures back to the Lord. And I love the Psalms because have you ever noticed that sometimes in the Psalms, they're praying things and they're singing things that feel theologically dangerous. Like, you know, like I'm listening to the Psalms and I go, man, like you're saying things not as they are, but as you feel they are. And that sometimes feels dangerous if we're really honest with ourselves. But that's what I love about the Psalms. The Psalms aren't polished. They're not safe. They're not put together. They're real human beings expressing what's in their heart to the Lord. I was reading one this morning from David, this man who's after God's own heart. And the first part of the psalm was so beautiful. It's the kind of stuff you'd put on a coffee mug or it'd be the theme for camp, you know, like it's like on your calendar, it's on Pinterest. But I got into the middle of the psalm and there's this verse I just hadn't noticed in some time. He says, Lord, don't you know that I hate my enemies? I thought, oh, somebody should have told him. (laughs) You're not supposed to pray that. But here's what I love. David wasn't praying what he thought he was supposed to pray. He's just praying what he felt. And he knew that God was big enough to handle it. He knew that God could handle it. I love Psalm 139, the beginning of it. He he says, God, he says, you know, every thought that I have, you know, every word that I speak before it even comes off my tongue. And because of that, I can come into your presence with honesty. I go, what do we What do we do? What do we do in seasons like this when the city all all around us is hurting? I go, man, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, may we be the most honest people in the city. May we be so free to feel and to experience and to live with both honor and honesty in the presence of God that can deal with all of it. Because he knows you and he loves you and he sees you. So I just want you to know in this season that this is a place where you don't have to fake it. You can feel what you feel, question what you question, wrestle as you wrestle because God can handle it and we love you exactly as you are. So what do we do? We learn to live honestly before the Lord. Number two, number two, we learn or we choose to serve generously for the glory of God. We learn to serve generously For the glory of God. I I don't know if you've wrestled with this, and I'm gonna be very careful with my words here. Please don't read between the lines on this, because this could get dangerous if you think I'm saying something that I'm not here. But you know, it's interesting to me. We've spent the last 30 days praying and fasting with more than 700 churches in the city. We've been coming together, praying for our neighbors, praying for God to move in our city, praying for God to help us love our neighbors really well. And I go, I'm not saying he caused any of this, but what I am saying is we have this moment right in front of us to move from our knees to our feet to actually become the answers to the prayers that we've been praying. We have an opportunity to show up in people's lives and to be the tangible witness to the kindness and the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And may we be the kinds of people, may we be a church that loves and serves and gives without reservation in regards to our time and our energy and our talents and our treasure. May we not be people that sprint really hard this first week and serve like crazy and then burn out and don't serve anybody for the next seven months. I go, this is gonna be a long deal. This is gonna be a mess for a long time. And may the, may the people of God, may this people of God raise up and not just live with honesty before the Lord, but may we serve generously regardless of the cost because we know, and we know it's what God has made us to do. I love Matthew chapter five. It'll be up on the screen. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you're the light of the world. In other words, I've put something in you, some love, some power, some identity. He says, you're the light of the world, a town that was built on a hill and cannot be hidden. This is a statement of identity that Jesus is speaking over his church. He says, neither would people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Listen to that. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says, here's the deal. I've put something in you that is to benefit those around you. And as you serve people, they see me as you love people, they see me, as you walk with people, they see me, that there are certain aspects of your theology, of your belief, of your interior life that only becomes visible in seasons of brokenness and pain. I'm convinced the loudest sermon Ethos Church will preach will not happen in this room, it'll happen on the streets. It'll happen as we help people clean up the wreckage of the last few days. It'll happen in funeral homes. It will happen in hospital rooms. It will happen as you help people at your work and at your school process the questions that they don't know what to deal with. I'm just telling you, as we choose to live honestly, as we serve generously, God is gonna do far more than we could ask or imagine, because it's who he is. It's who he is. You know, the Psalms tell us that that God is near those that have broken hearts. I'm convinced that sometimes the way they experience his his nearness is when the people of God show up in the places of brokenness, that you become the tangible expression of the kindness of God in somebody's life. It's been amazing the way that you've done this over the last few few days, but I'm just telling you, we're just getting started. And There's so many ways that we're going to try to live this out together. You can put this this slide up on the screen. I'd encourage you guys to take a picture of this. There's going to be a lot of ways over the next week or two that we're going to serve, and we're going to keep updating this, but... Um, we're just asking everybody in our church to make a commitment, like right now, to, to give, to serve, and to buy some things to make a difference. And here's, here's what we mean by this. We've set up a fund at ethosgive.org. You can select the Tornado 2020 fund. And we're asking people to just give joyfully and generously. And 100% of those funds are going to take care of families in our church that lost everything, the things that won't be covered by insurance. We're gonna use those funds to, to help people that are connected to our church family, that, that are in great, greatest need. And then we're gonna use those funds to help people in the city um, that, have, uh, that are in the places of greatest vulnerability. And so I wanna invite you, man, just, just give like crazy. Maybe you're like, I don't have much money, but I've got my parents' credit card, go for it. Give forgiveness later. Um, man, give, give. I, I invite you to give, but we're not just giving, we're going, we're gonna serve. I'm just telling you, every single day, Every single day, we have house churches that are out serving. We have people that are out serving. We've, we've partnered with churches all across the city that are in the areas of highest impact. So we've said, hey, we're not gonna start our own thing. We're, there's one church in the city of Nashville, right? Church, help me out. There's, there's one church in the city of Nashville. It's Jesus's church. And so we're not gonna start a bunch of things to compete. We're just gonna come alongside. And so we've got partner churches in North Nashville and East Nashville and Donaldson and Mount Julian. We're saying, hey, we're just here for service. Put us to work. And so if you want to find out these needs, every day they're being updated online at ethoschurch.org forward slash relief. You can give, you can serve. um, You can buy supplies for people that are in need. One of our partners just down the street in the Martha O'Brien Center They serve some of the most vulnerable people in the city. They've put together a list of items that are needed for people in their community that have been hit uh, the hardest. You can go online to this website. You can download um, what needs to be purchased. We just encourage you, just go pick up those items. Uh, On Wednesday of this week, uh, nine to five, or on Thursday of this week, nine to noon, you can drop those off at the Ethos Church office. If you can't make it during those hours, you can literally go to the Amazon wish list, purchase the items, and they'll be shipped straight to Martha O'Brien. I'm just telling you, it's an amazing way to serve. But here's the deal, church. We're not just gonna live generously for the next few days or the next couple of weeks. May we be a people that stick it out all the way to the end. Amen? Amen? May we stick it out all the way to the end. For some of you, you get the opportunity to give and to go and to serve. For some of you, you're in a season where you just need to receive. Talking to a guy in our church yesterday that lost everything, and i 'm asking about how he 's doing, and he kept deflecting the conversation. He kept saying, "Yeah, but there's so many people worse than me i 'm like, bro, can we just serve you? Can you just receive? And think about our, our churches in india we 've got churches all over the world, we have ten churches in India, many of them are literally in one of the poorest areas of the world, some of the poorest parts of the world and it was amazing on Friday of this week, one of our pastors in India, he called and said, hey, we we took up a spontaneous collection amongst our churches, we heard what was happening, and we raised several thousand dollars that we wanna send over to help the church there in Nashville. And I was blown away, guys, like if if, if you knew their economic situation, that would literally be the equivalent of Ethos Church uh, sending out an email and raising a million dollars and sending it to India in one day, Just crazy. And the Lord has been reminding me, man, there are times to receive, and there are times to give, and the Lord is at work in all of this. What does it look like to be the people of God in these moments? We, we live honestly. We serve generously. Number three, we examine our lives deeply in the presence of God. We examine our lives deeply in the presence of God. Now, this is one of the ones that honestly is a bit uncomfortable, but it's just so important, and I've just gotta say it. Because I think sometimes in these moments of tragedy, we're like, man, let's just go serve. Let's bless people. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I'm just telling you, in addition to that, moments like this need to be the sobering reality that they are. You know, a lot of us, we live our lives as though we're immortal. And, And we know in our minds that we're not. You know, we're in a culture that's so scared of death, we ignore the reality of death. And a lot of us, we just live as though this trajectory that we're on will never come to an end. We know some, someday, somewhere it will, but, but we live as though we have this unlimited reality of time. And there's these moments where things like this happen. And if you will walk in a sense of soberness before the Lord, he will stir some important questions in your heart that don't need to be avoided. I remember years ago, a guy that I know, he's pastoring a church and a large church, and in their church, they had a a young man die in his sleep, 32 years old. He died in the middle of the night. And it was a tragic moment. What made it even more tragic was, was he died in the middle of his sleep, laying in bed with someone that he wasn't married to while his family was across town in their home. They didn't know that he was living a double life. And this guy is like, okay, how are you gonna pastor your church through this tragic moment? And he said, He said, I'm just gonna stand up. And he said, we're gonna grieve and we're gonna mourn the reality of all this. He said, but then I'm gonna ask people to really examine their lives and to ask God, the really hard question, like, God, am I in good standing with you? And I'm just telling you guys, it's been a tragedy this week. It's been a tragedy this week one of the greater tragedies is there are so many people in the region who are not in good standing with Jesus and they won't slow down long enough to even ask the question. I just want to ask you, like are you in good standing with Jesus? Like are you, or, or, have you been saved by Christ? Have you been forgiven? Have you been redeemed? Like are you ready to stand in the presence of God and give an account for your life? To sobering reality in these moments, like to just come into the presence of God. I think about Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may what? Gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, like teach me to recognize how short my life is, how brief my life is, how finite my life is, so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. It's what Psalm 139 says. Lord, search me, test me, lead me, reveal to me anything in me that's offensive to you and then lead me in the way of ever- Everlasting. I'm just telling you, in the midst of all this, if you haven't stopped to just say, hey, Lord, how are, how are we doing? You need to do it. For some of you, it may not be about you. Maybe it's about someone that you love and you've known in the back of your mind that you're not in good standing. They're not in good standing with the Lord. And you've just been living like you've got forever with them. Maybe, maybe this is the week where you go, man, God, help me have the courage to express the love of Jesus to them. And for some of you, it may not be about you and God. Maybe as you examine your heart, it's about you and another person. Maybe there's someone in your life that you're not in good terms with, that you need to forgive, that needs forgiveness from you, that you need to be reconciled with. Maybe it's someone that matters a lot to you that you've taken for granted for a really long time. And I'm just telling you guys, there are moments like this, if we would be sober-minded enough to just stand in the presence of the Lord and examine our hearts, that the Lord would take you into deeper waters. Don't let this moment pass without reflecting. Man, what's it look like to be a blessing to the city? We choose to live honestly. We serve with an abundant generosity. We examine our lives deeply in the presence of God. The last thing that was just kind of washing over me this week is we choose to worship Jesus extravagantly. We worship extravagantly. You know, this sometimes feels odd in seasons of chaos. But I want you to understand this. When we talk about this a lot at Ethos. Um, we don't worship because our circumstances are good. We worship because the character of God is unchanging. Worship that is built on circumstances will be fickle, fleeting, and shallow, but worship that is anchored in the character of God will be life-changing. And so we come into the presence of God and, w- and we worship extravagantly, not oblivious to the reality around us, but we worship because we understand that despite everything that's going on around us, Jesus is still king, he is still good, he's still on the throne. One day he will come back, he will wipe away every tear, he will make everything new, he will restore every bit of brokenness. And because we understand where the story's headed, in the midst of pain, we say, okay, God, hey, would you lead us right now as we find ourselves working through it? We lean in to worship, not run away from it. I love that moment in Job chapter one, verse 21, right after he's lost his kids, right after everything has kind of hit the fan. Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart, which it's kind of a funny verse if you think about it because he pictured himself dying naked. I don't know why. I'm um, not sure what that was about, but that's just kind of how he saw himself going. But, but here's, the, here's the part of the verse that really hits me. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job said, hey, listen, my circumstances are more painful than I could ever imagine. He says, but here's what I know, is that in the midst of it, God is unchanging and he deserves to be praised. Think about several months ago when a young man in our church was tragically killed. And I remember standing in the hospital with his dad right after he had passed away. And he says, this is not what we prayed for and this is not what we wanted, but it's what has been given to us. And he says, may the name of the Lord be blessed. Think about King David right after his son passed away. Man, David was honest before the Lord. He grieved before God. He prayed for a different outcome. But when it did not come, what did he do? It says he got up, he took a shower, he went to the house of God, and he praised the Lord. Guys, in the kingdom of God, worship becomes our witness to the world, and it becomes our, we- our weapon against the kingdom of darkness. Think about seeing this video on Easter Sunday this year A group of young teenage kids from Syria standing in a church that a few weeks earlier had been destroyed by terrorists and they're standing in the rubble of this church. They're holding hands as one of their friends played an acoustic guitar and they worshiped Jesus extravagantly in the rubble of their pain. And we're just watching that going, man, that is a witness to the world, but it's not just a witness to the world, it is a weapon against the kingdom of darkness, because in these places of confusion, in these seasons of pain, have you ever noticed that the enemy just comes with accusations against the Lord, doubt against the Lord, um, questions against the Lord, cynicism grows up, bitterness grows up, anger grows up, these things begin to grow up, but when we come with honesty, when we serve generously, when we we really sit before the Lord deeply and we worship him extravagantly, all of a sudden we find this fortified wall around the heart. And God does more than we could ask or imagine. I believe God's gonna give you opportunities this week. As you serve, as you listen, as you pray, as you walk with people. And I just wanna give you permission, church, you don't have to have all the answers. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. It's about who you know. And if we wanna be a blessing to the people around us, it starts with us coming into the presence of the one that can heal us and can change us. And so I wanna invite you to stand up. Here's what we're gonna do the rest of tonight. You can stand up with me right now. Here in just a moment, we're gonna take communion. It's on the bar, it's on the table around the room. If you've never done this with us, we can circle up our chairs. We're gonna talk and we're gonna to pray together. But literally, as you take the bread... I want you to hear this. Like, please tune in with me on this, okay? As we take the bread, as we take the cup, it is a physical reminder that God did not experience suffering from a distance, but he took suffering all the way into his body on the cross. That God is a God that's well acquainted with suffering, but at the end of the day, suffering didn't have the final word on Jesus. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have what? You'll have trouble. He said, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And then he walked that out, he showed them that. And as we break the bread, as we take the cup, we're saying, okay, Lord, you've been here. You know what to do. You're not leading from a place of philosophy or theory, but from experience. And Lord, we need your redemptive presence. So as you break the bread, as you take the cup, as you confess sin, as you pray with each other, as you pray for the city, ask that the suffering strength of Jesus would fill us up in our bodies and would send us out on the mission of God, okay? And so we're going to take communion. There's going to be men and women at the respond banner. We'd love to pray over you. Maybe you need prayer personally. Maybe there's someone in your family or your community. Maybe you showed up here tonight and you lost everything and you don't know where to go. We'd love to serve you. We'd love to help you. That's going to be over to my left. Your right at the respond banner. We'd love to pray for you. And then we're gonna end with just a few songs. We're gonna worship the Lord extravagantly for who he is. And then we're gonna wrap up tonight. And we wanna invite you to leave, to get online, and to make plans to serve with us this week. And we're just gonna keep doing that until all the work is done. So Father, I love you. I thank you for this community. I thank you for this family of faith. God, thank you for what you're stirring up in us. Thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you for the way that you are near even as we find ourselves in the midst of hardship and heartache. God, would you help us to live honestly before you, to serve generously, to examine deeply and to worship extravagantly as we seek to be a witness for you in this city and far beyond. We love you, Lord, thank you for your love for us. It's the name of Jesus I pray, amen.